Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, guys out there. It's another Tuesday. And like I say, whenever it's a Tuesday, you know, we are here. It, it is the Catalyst Experience. In fact, I was actually at the gym you know, getting myself, you know, ready as the Catalyst. I have to uh, in some, uh, you know, work during the course of the week. So I was just there and I remembered I, I need to get myself here to join all of you. So wherever you are, I'd like to say a very, very big good evening to you. I hope you're having a very good week so far. Um, as is the usual, we have a very, very juicy topic to munch on today. And I have two amazing individuals who will be, you know, taking us through, uh, you know, uh, the topic. As we know, this month, we have already started on a, uh, you know, uh, a certain course and we will be taking it like we did last week. So without much ado, though, I'll get into the rules for the game. Like I say, Every weekend when we, every week when we get here, please do, do make sure to put off your uh, mute, your button, so you do not, your sound does not interfere with tonight's activity. So for everyone out there who is joining us here on Zoom, do well to mute your button if you're here. If you are joining us as well, you want to join us on Zoom, do that. For everybody else who is on Facebook, you can catch reruns on Facebook on Don Miller's page. D-O-N space M-I-L-L-A. So you make sure you, you, you catch it during the course of the week. If there's anything you missed, go back onto Facebook, Don Miller's page, and you can catch everything that passed. I would like you guys to know May 7th is a big, big day for the Catalyst family. And in fact, for everybody else who is interested in joining, because we will be going to climb the highest peak in West Africa in uh, you know, our very own Volta region, Mount Afajato. So the Mountain of Dreams, we'll be climbing it on the May 7th. Make sure you are grabbing all your equipment, buying new kits to be able to join us and have a safe safe climb. So um, as I do always, I will tell you a little bit about, you know, who a catalyst is and how a catalyst fits in a TMC. For those of you who have been following, we've always been talking about a group of people who have a shared, shared mission to be the very, very best at whatever they do, be it physical, be it spiritual, be it uh, economic even, and be it, um, you know, uh, physical, economic, social as well, because TMC promotes a family communal lifestyle where individuals come together and help each other in meeting all these goals. So there's no better place to be than in the commune of people who share in your vision, and especially who are ready to make that journey as easy as possible. So there are three things that makes you a catalyst. If you are a go-getter, if you are someone who will not settle for less, who has a good grasp of your personal dreams, and you do well to document, document those dreams, then you are a catalyst at heart. Someone who is dedicated, how long are you willing to put in sweat and tears to get to that you know, uh, peak that you are looking for? Someone who is a team player, like I've always been saying every week, as catalysts come together and check up on each other. Everybody has a partner, an accountability partner who checks up on you, make sure you are, you know, reading the books that have been assigned to you and also catching up with the steps that have been assigned to you. Every catalyst has to do at least 5,000 steps a day. So that is making sure that your physical is in tune with your mental, right? So if you have all these three things, then you have what it takes to be a catalyst. As usual, we'll be dropping all the links to, you know, joining TMC and also joining us on our hike on May 7th. They will be in the comment section. Do well to share it with someone. Do well to, you know, download the forms and join, right? Anyone out there who has not as yet invited someone to join us tonight, do well to send the link to a friend, send that beautiful artwork that has our two beautiful uh, panelists tonight, send it out and make sure uh, people are joining in. So as is a thing, I'll be telling you a little bit about uh, our, our panelists tonight, and then we'll get into you know the rest of everything. So wherever you are, grab a chilled cook, grab some water, you know, sit in your sofa, uh, put your phone, those of you who have uh, stands, Put your phone in your phone stand, hands-free, 
relax. It's one hour of information coming your way. So I'd like to say a big, big, big hello to Barbara. Barbara is, uh, Barbara Bing is a head of people, teleclinic, all the way from Germany. So tonight we are having an international show. But Barbara has something interesting to say about herself. We'll get into that. Barbara, how are you doing? Hello. Fine, thank you. Hello, everyone. Nice to see you. You are looking really, really lovely tonight. Um, our next our next panelist is Ama Ansong, who is a res human resource professional based right here in, as they say, GH. Ama, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Amen. <laughs> with smiles, you are looking exquisite tonight. So, um, thank you. you are welcome to tonight's show. Um, as we do, we are continuing with, you know, um, bias, right, in the workplace and in uh, our lives. So, uh, unconscious bias, that is. So, um, I'll first get into, let's, let's, let's make it a bit informal. Let's, before we get into everything, Barbara, I would like to know a little bit about you. A little bit about me. So where, where do I start? What is there to say about me? So um, I'm, I'm um, 17 plus years uh, in HR. Um, started from being an administrator uh, to now um, head of people and um, in, in several industries. And it, it was a, a, a real um, journey. And uh, it's, still a, it's, it's still a passion. It's, a, it's, a, it's I would say, you know, um, and Amma, I think, would understand me. It's it's a calling, you know, to to have the the heart of, of people, uh, you know, um, in the, in the forefront of what you are doing day in and day out for them. Um, I've been in, uh, like I said, of several industries from hospitality to uh, fintech, and uh, now um, retail as well. And now I'm in in health tech in a, in a company in Germany. They are the the leading on-demand doctor platform in Germany. So uh, um, it's very, uh, you know, around revo revolutionizing really digital healthcare. And uh, it, it's really interesting how, you know, the, the people part fits into that. Um, I'm also um, passionate really about mental health. Um, I'm, I'm a qualified counselor. I've, um, you know, I'm, I'm really into behaviors of people. And, and so the subject today really, you know, um, tickles my fancy because, uh, you know, as you can imagine, over the years, I've, I've experienced a lot of, of uh, the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, um, it's just a, a privilege to be here tonight. Um, I am um, based in the UK, um, uh, but uh, originally from Austria. So I'm, I'm really a mixture. Um, have a husband, two lovely daughters. Um, yeah, and uh, that's, that's me really. <laughs> Great to have you here, Barbara. Great to have you. We'll continue on to Ama. Ama, a little bit about yourself, something interesting, and then we'll yeah, dive into okay. everything else. <laughs> Thank you, Iben, and good evening to your audience. So as the name already, I'm Ama Ansong, also married to a Ghanaian. <laughs> the opposite of Barbara, I have two boys. And I've been practicing HR for over 14 years and still counting. Maybe my next life, I'll look at becoming a high-tech person, more into technology than HR. <laughs> because I feel that the role HR is so dynamic that you get to experience new things every day. And sometimes it becomes too hectic. So in my next life, I want to be glued to only computers. <laughs> And, and appreciate systems when it goes down, it has gone down. When it comes on, it has come on. And I'm a certified human resource practitioner. I'm certified with um, Society for Human Resource Management. And my industry is not broader like Barbara has said. I have only worked with the finance industry and then the logistics industry. And now experiencing fintech in my new organization. So this is Amansong, and for this particular topic, I'm very much enthused because it, it's something that keeps happening day in and day out in our workplaces, and also an opportunity to even do further research to also appreciate what is happening in 
other developed countries. So I'm, I'm very much sure that your audience will get a very uh, vast knowledge. And by the time they leave this section, it, it will be an exciting one. So that's me, Ben. <laughs> Hi, Ben. Okay, I, I guess we've lost Eben. So I, I believe that we know what we are talking about. So Barbara, maybe just to play the MC role or the moderator yeah. role, some of the um, common unconscious biases that we, we get to face in, in our workplaces and even at large in our society. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, the most common, I think, which, uh, you know, every one of us has heard something about or maybe even experienced it is obviously gender bias. You know, the, the, the roles of women in certain industries and, and uh, even men in certain industries. So um, obviously, if you hear gender bias, it's always you have always, uh, you know, women in the back of your mind because it's such a movement. However, you know, it happens to, to men uh, in the same way. And I think the other big bias is age. Um, in my experience, there, you know, you, you come across it a lot in regards to, especially in certain industry where um, age bias or ageism, as you call it, plays a plays a big role. Where you know sometimes, um, you know, if you if you look at the uh, at um, the older generation and you you get a you know you get a CV and you think they have you know pages and pages of experience, but you know they are not, you know they are not a, a, a taken into account because they are older and and I think it's it's mm. really something that we it has changed a lot over the years it, I can speak from the from the UK base mainly would be interesting to hear how that is also yeah, in Ghana. From Ghana. Um, <laughs> but I think there's still a lot a lot of work to do and and uh, I mean there's so many different uh you know, versions of bias out there. I think we could talk the whole hour only about the different uh, types of, of bias. But um, um, yeah. maybe one last one that I've come across a lot is as well um, authority bias. Um, it's, uh, you know, where where you take somebody really at their work because they are th that person, if, uh, you know, man or woman is uh, in, a, in a position of authority, you know, um, sometimes we, we just take what they're saying because they're in a position of authority. It must be true. So, you know, without actually asking questions, without asking, you know, um, or getting confirmation or even going back and doing our own research, if, if what they said is actually true, that's where authority bias comes in. And, it, and, it, and you know, if, if, if you experience this kind of um, bias over a long time it can seriously start affecting your your confidence how you you know portray yourself in your job as a person so um maybe that's just three of of uh yeah, that, that's also much i've experienced <laughs> yes so just before i even add mine to it and then also even let you understand the experience when it comes to africa in in, in exception ghana Please, my audience, if you have any question or comments, you can post it in the chat box. I'm acting as the moderator because I keep you waiting. So, comment, you can post it in the chat box or you can use the reaction button to raise your hand and then you'll be called to ask your question. So, adding on to what Barbara you have said, Ghana is not different. It's always been, yes, gender bias because now everybody's becoming so much aware of it. It will surprise you to know that when you check the statistics as published by Boardroom Africa, I think they are 2020 edition, 8% of females hold CEO positions in Ghana. Their data was centered on companies listed on Ghana Stock Exchange. So gender bias has been very predominant and so common in our era, maybe because of um, how the world was created. <laughs> Even those who are Christians, you know, biblically, they said women were not counted when it comes to population census and stuff like that. And then moving on to, yes, ageism is also a problem where a typical organization, you find that the, those baby boomers who are about exiting the employment life cycle would say that 
they can't they can't work with the generation Z and we the millennials. So their mere thinking is we have that generational clash all the time. And adding on to what you've said, I also think there is something that we always overlook, and that is health bias. Speaking specifically in terms of the workplace about first aid. So in Ghana, what I get is most of our first aid boxes, it lacks, it lacks concentration towards women. Why am I saying this? You know, women, by our natural formation, we go through menstrual cycle. And I say that it is also an emergency because sometimes you've not even planned for it and then it shows up. You can't get a sanitary towel in the first aid box. And honestly, I think that it's something that most organizations are look, overlooking and most institutions are also overlooking. So maybe this will be a good platform to hammer that going forward, we should have sanitary towels in our first aid kits. Another one that I'll also put across is the halo and then the horn effect. You know how somebody can see somebody just by virtue of um, experiences or first impression, then they tag you as you, you are not in my good books or you are tagged as you are in my good books just because of past experiences or cultural beliefs and all that. So all these things are very life and it, it's quite hurting when, when you see it so. But naturally, I say that no one is ever fully rational. We all have some level of biases in us. <laughs> All of us, but how do you control it? So moving on, I would want to appreciate. So where do some of these biases come from? Where do they come from? Yeah, I, I mean, as you said, you know, we all have biases. As we are all sitting here, we have, you know, <laughs> certain biases. But I think the, the main difference is, um, you know, how you can control this is awareness, self-awareness. You know, to be self-aware that you have uh, a bias um, um, towards something or in, uh, in 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 relation to a situation. I think biases, you know, are formed from a quite early stage of childhood. It, it's really, you know, where where children role model how their parents behave. You know what they so it, it's kind of a, a duplication and it carries on. But if you don't, if you if you are not self-aware that you have that bias, how can you, you know, um, do something that it doesn't affect your decision making, that it doesn't affect your your processes and, and so on. But and, and by saying that, you know, we, we always talk about bias, about being something negative, but actually from um, a, a psychological point of view, bias has a positive effect as well. It's like bias can also make us, for example, choose um, that we eat healthy food. Yeah, that we avoid dangerous situations. That's biases as well. They are they are unconscious. So bias as a general is not negative. Bias becomes, in my opinion, negative once we start it. Um, uh, once we allow it to start affecting our dis decision, how we behave towards people, and it becomes a habit and a behavior. And and you know it really then becomes a, a personal trait and 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 what you portray. And that's when it becomes negative or dangerous in my point of view. I'm happy to tell my audience that my moderator is back. <laughs> Even I, I pray your technology is not going to fail you again. <laughs> you, you, you have to, the prayers have to be very double, twice as much because uh, <laughs> I'm having a bit of a hard time. I'll intensify it. I'll intensify it. So I, I was told you've done you a good job in your absence. <laughs> yes, please. I was told you've held the fort. So, guys, it happens every once in a while, you know, uh, can't, can't uh, fault the technology. But I'm back here. Um, I, I, I just picked up a couple of things from Barbara. Um, I think we are talking about bias, and she was, you know, sort of setting the tune for how, you know, bias can be negative, right? So, um, I believe we've we've discussed where biases come from. Have you had the opportunity to do that? Yes. So I I we we've discussed some of the um, common biases, unconscious biases right. that we face, and then we're looking at where it comes from. So Barbara has given us a lot of information, and has also went on to say that it is not always a negative 
connotation when we say bias. Sometimes it can constitute right. positive response. Yes. So for me, right, right. On, she mentioned um, upbringing. Usually, parent uh, kids picking it from their parents. I also say that uh, media portrayals, especially, I don't know about UK, but in Ghana, it's 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 gradually becoming a big tool. So people see people dressed in this fashionable clothing and you are tagged as a slave queen. <laughs> and every, everybody's looking at you in an obscure way. So, and sometimes people also wear anklets. And you know, the organizational setup, I, actually in Ghana, we are, we are now growing to appreciate diversity and inclusion. What, what makes it a bit um, uncomfortable is when our orientation from the past informs our business decision. I, I say that if you are an HR person or if you are somebody in leadership and you do that, you've missed it because you need to manage it and then control it better. So even that is just an add-on to what um, Barbara said. That's good to know. So um, I think it would be it would be wise to follow up with you know, let's come into the work setting, right? Um, most importantly, how what, what kind of what kind of decisions in the workplace um, can be affected by unconscious bias? Would you like uh, to maybe start? About to take this off? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, if we talk about the workplace or or the the, the life of an employee, it, it can affect the whole life cycle. So from uh, recruitment, when the person is not even in the company as yet, to, you know, it can uh, slow down promotion. So how they climb the, the career ladder, it can uh, really impact the, their development. Um, you know, it can affect the, the like Amma said, the diversity inclusion. Uh, I mean, over here in the UK and in, in, in Europe, if I may, may take that whole uh, area, it, that's a big thing, you know, inclusion and, and diversity. And I think in certain areas, we are quite far ahead. Um, have we arrived? No, by far not, definitely not. Um, but, you know, once you, you let these unbiased, um, unconscious bias um, linger or develop, I think you will very quickly realize how it will affect the culture of the company, how the culture will turn toxic. And then you will just, as an HR professional, you just need to look at your, your figures. Your attrition will be sky high. And uh, you, you, know, you, will, you will be like a, in a hamster wheel because you can't actually follow up with the recruitment as fast as people are leaving. And it's important that we as HR professionals and in the workplace with the managers help them to understand where these unconscious biases come from and address it to, you know, to address the root cause. There is no point of us having a, a, a shiny uh, diversity inclusion calendar and, and whatever, uh, where actually we don't address, we just make it pretty for the, for the outside world. So we tick the box of, yeah, we are addressing diversity, but actually the unconscious bias lingers, it's not addressed. Um, so yeah, in, in the workplace, it, it can really affect every decision. So um, I've been working with my, you know, leaders from, from the various industries, um, you know, to, to identify, to, to train, to, to raise awareness. I think that's, that's one of the things that, that we need to, to um, really focus on as, as HR professionals. And, and I don't know, again, it would be interesting to know how it is in Ghana. But I think some of the HR professionals need also to take, you know, the, the initiative that uh, certain policies that we have, you know, are actually, they, they include unconscious bias or actually pure, you know, discrimination. I mean, there are still policies out there like uniform policies where women are asked to wear skirt and high heels. Is that still right in 2022? I don't think so. So, you know, where we really need to speak up as well and, and tell our leaders and tell our CEOs and our board members to, this is not happening anymore. This should not happen anymore. So, um, yeah, it can affect a lot of decision and, 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 and it can, you know, it can impact and destroy a lot of good things. 
Yeah. So just adding on to what Barbara has expressed, and I'm really excited about the fact that um, sometimes the leadership, it, it, it's more like a blueprint that we have the diversity policy or inclusion policy, but we are doing otherwise. I honestly believe that, yes, the entire employment life cycle, but where I see it so common in Ghana is at the hiring stage. So at the hiring stage, somebody walks in and, like I said, we are all uh, subject to working towards perfection. So we are all not fully rationalized yet. So definitely the first impression, someone walks in, maybe dressed shabbily, and then our first thought is, oh, this is not an ideal candidate. You don't even use the required criteria in your selection, and then you overlook it. And another common area, working it closely with um, gender bias, is I, I have, I want to share personal experience. So I have this uh, female employee who went on three months maternity leave. She, okay, she added her annual leave, so it became like four to five months in totality. So while she was nursing the baby, she called me and then she wanted to find out if her role is still available. And if she comes back, she's still going to hold that same position. You know, that kind of thought, general thought of, I have been away. I am a mother. I've been off work for a period. So what is going to happen to me in my next, my next time when I come back to the office? And I, I honestly identified that before I joined the organization, they were not running proper orientation and onboarding for nursing mothers. So when they come back from maternity leave, you actually need to orient them again because systems have changed, new things have changed and all that. And then men are very quick to say that, oh, as for this woman, when we recruit her, eh, so looking at uh, her age, she will get married very soon and then we'll start giving birth. So this one, let's give this role to this particular guy. And even also at the time of exit, when people tender in their resignation notices, it becomes like a war zone. And I always wonder why. Why is it that I've gotten an opportunity elsewhere and I want to leave? And the moment I bring you my exit notice that I'm giving you the required notice, and more like you, you put me in a discriminatory position where you don't want me to have access to. So all these things happen throughout the employment life cycle. And also talking about developing people, they say that women should go for training, training where even the environment is not um, motherly friendly or it's, it's not feminine. I have kids. Maybe we are going for training, traveling as far back as... Um, I know you are married to a Ghanaian, so you will appreciate some of our regions. Maybe from Greater Accra to Kumase, and I don't, I don't get to carry my kids. The organization doesn't book extra room for me. It is more predominantly male-dominated center. Sexism is just too much in our workplaces. So if you asked about where some of these decisions are unconscious, but I'll say that throughout the employment life cycle, but in Ghana, it sits really at the hiring stage. Is it yeah. or we've lost it? <laughs> yeah, we've you lost would it. have to give me a round of applause. I'm the only host who <laughs> comes into here two twice. <laughs> okay, so um, I hear we are dealing with um, common types of unconscious bias, or we are not we are not there yet. Oh, we, I, I, I did that with Barbara and myself, so. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, um, types, yeah. unless you want more for your audience. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm fine. The audience, like she's saying, audience, if you need more, kindly do well to ask your questions in the comment section, and I will touch on them as we go along. So anyone who's hearing something and needs to hear some more, please do well to do that um allow me to also advertise our may 7th um, hike to mount afajato guys there's a, a form that is in the comment section do well to uh, download the forms and opt in for every other catalyst who is joining us i always keep hammering on the fact that you should go out there and get yourself proper hiking gear so we can hike in a very very safe 
way. So um, I know my panelists have done a lot of justice. I hear Ama is a super, super co-host and I am, I am enjoying that. I'm hearing that is very good. So onto our next question though. So what is the connection between unconscious bias and microaggressions? Can uh, I'll pick Barbara's mind on this first and then Ama, you feel free to come in when she's done. Um, yeah, um, I, I think maybe maybe firstly we need to understand what microaggressions are. I think um, so. Microaggressions are usually um, unintentional, unintentional, but they can be intentional um, and also sometimes very subtle. Um, uh, you know, actions. Uh, you know, uh, body language, uh, words. You know that that uh, um, are said or are pointed towards a person that uh, sometimes you know a person who who, who you know um, behaves in that way doesn't even realize that it is a microaggression. I mean, microaggression. What does you know different words that you can use for it is plainly an insult. Yeah, it's an abuse, and uh, you know, and 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 sometimes I think. Um, as we look at the, the different cultures as well, I mean, we, we talked a lot about women, but uh, some statistics, if you, if you look out there, it says that 64% of women actually experience microaggressions every day. So if that is regards to, I mean, we've spoken about different biases, but we, for example, we've not mentioned uh, beauty bias, yeah, where we think actually a certain person who looks in a certain way fits into that role. So, you know, that's all kind of microaggressions or um, where it then links to, to the, the unconscious bias. It's like, um, you know, <laughs> name bias. Let's say name bias, okay? So I actually have a funny story with, with that from a recruitment perspective because I like to confuse people with my name. Um, you know, usually when they apply, um, I can now, after 20 years being in the community, tell if it's a, a Ghanaian flying and, and so on. And um, I had uh, this um, uh, guy um, I called, great CV and, and so on. And um, I booked an interview with him. And when I when I picked up the phone, he started, Etesieng, ba 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 ba. And I was like, so even I'm, I'm you know, after after 20 years, Etesieng is as far as I go. <laughs> And uh, but he, you know, had the bias because my name was Obeng, I'm Ghanaian, so he actually has a, a more favorable, uh, you know, position in the recruitment process. When you know, I I had to very harshly tell him <laughs> it's not the case. Um, so he kind of got his dreams crashed. But uh, you know, th that's where you know I could have felt insulted because you know he assumed because of my name. However, I think the, the unconscious bias is important as well for us or these microaggressions to, to really see how it lets, how they affect us. Yeah. So, um, you know, microaggression could be linked also to, to um, ageism. We spoke about ageism, you know, where, uh, you know, you might have uh, uh, some, some colleagues who are maybe already in, you know, a later stage of their life. And, um, you know, you say, do they even know how to use TikTok? If that is a new strategy you want to use in marketing or, or employer branding, you know, it's these assumptions that we have just because they are older, they don't know how these new social media tools work, for example. And that's microaggression. And when I think it continues to, you know, happen on a daily basis, then it becomes from indirect discrimination you know, direct discrimination. And then as a company, you know, if you haven't addressed it already at that early stage, it, become, it can become a huge problem for you. So that's how I see, um, you know, microaggressions and the connection to unconscious bias. <laughs> so I, I think I should have said exercise when I met you today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe Eben, maybe I'll also add a little bit. So just like Barbara said, um, you know, sometimes you don't you don't have that harmful intention to to sideline somebody. So I remember in my organization, we are all working remotely, 
And the assumption in Ghana is once you have a comfortable life, you need to grow back. At least everybody needs to see that you've put on some little weight. So I met this colleague and then he actually said it in the local language. Like I have reduced in, in weight. And I, I took an offense actually. <laughs> but of course, because of my exposure and my role, I understand some of these microaggression so i didn't really take it to heart but imagine someone who maybe consciously is trying to trim down i heard that the catalyst they do five thousand steps per day and maybe i have been religiously following that even though i'm working from home the assumption is once you are not going anywhere you should grow big and i have decided to trim that and then you tell me that i will take an offense in it so sometimes these microaggression Linking it to unconscious bias, it becomes very discriminatory. But because what, what makes it so painful is because you don't have that malicious intent, so you don't know how the other person is taking it, it ends up creating a lot of conflict. So a typical one, a woman will stop even talking to you because you have said that she has put on weight or because you, you used my name and addressed me wrongly, even though you should have died deeper to know that I am not a Ghanaian. So I think to really manage these kind of things, yes, the awareness is very key. And also getting a lot of uh, articles or getting exposed to training to really appreciate that we, we, we all have our way of receiving information. And so once you understand that this could create some level of bias, then you tone down. Yes, so this is the little that I'll add to what Barbara has said. Hi, Iben. Okay, I think we've lost Iben again, so I'm back to my moderator role. <laughs> so, Babs, we have a question in the chat box. The person is trying to know how can microaggressions be minimized in order to reach goals in business, society, or basic personal life? How can it be minimized? Um, I, th I think, um, like we said before, it's, it's uh, the self-awareness. So it's, it's about realizing, you know, we all have our own unbiased conscious, um, unconscious bias, sorry. <laughs> Um, and and it's it's um, starting to educate yourself as well. What are some of these microaggressions? Like Amma said, sometimes they are very innocent. Sometimes we don't even mean to you know to sound like that or, or to 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 say you know. Um, for example, as a as a as a recruiter, sometimes we get CVs in who have very difficult names. You know, and um, you could you could say that it might be a, a, a microaggression if I ask this person, oh, um, your name is so hard to pronounce. You know, I mean, that could be insulting to, to somebody, but it's about being aware of these things and then finding ways of, um, you know, diverting or, or finding it's like I've taken approach now. If I can't pronounce a name, then I'm saying, I I'm, I'm sorry, could you? please let me know how I pronounce my name because I, I would like to do it right. So at the same time, this, you know, I, I, I don't make a fool out myself. There's no microaggression, but also I give the other person the respect because I don't want to call them, you know, some, some wrong name the whole time we are, we are talking. Um, you know, and, and it's also about being aware if you talk about reaching goals, you know, in business and, and society, it's about, you know, also being mindful of your environment where these microaggressions might happen to some of your colleagues within the team. Because, you know, sometimes microaggressions or the unconscious uh, bias can be even done, done in a form of a group, not just individuals. They could, you know, we have these, uh, these uh, gang cultures in certain, in certain uh, uh, companies where, you know, um, one, uh, you know, a couple of people or the whole team gangs up against one person because of 
you know, their, their background or because of them maybe being the only woman in, in uh, you know, a huge, uh, like in tech sometimes, maybe I'm a, you've uh, uh, um, experienced that as well, where you have like, you know, 15 developers, all male, and then there's suddenly this one woman developer, developer and she's just always pointed out like you are the only woman in, in development. And that's, you know, that's things that, that uh, you as an individual can actually start working towards it, become an advocate in your company, you know, an ally with HR to really raise awareness to, to address these microaggressions is not going to change from one day to the other, but, you know, every day chipping at it a little bit will, you know, change it over time to something more positive. Absolutely. So, you know, there's always a time where, let's say when it comes to promotional decisions and someone goes like, I feel like, I feel like, I think where you need to really have um, data. I say that if you are, if you are an HR person or somebody in decision making and you are data driven, you are likely to minimize microaggressions and also minimize unconscious biases. Because if you solely do things on your intuition and then on your sub, on subjectivity, you end up discriminating others. So I say that you have to be very conscious. You have to be analytically strong and definitely, like he said, emotionally intelligent. So you know yourself and then you also know that you are likely to create a very discomforting situation for others. So how do I plan to fit in my environment? So someone is also asking, Cynthia is trying to find out so how, how does intent and impact show up in how you respond to microaggressions? <laughs> this question sounds very tricky. So your impact and intent, how, how do you respond to microaggressions? <laughs> I think microaggressions sometimes don't have a, a, direct, a direct intent. Sometimes they just come out, unfortunately. And, and it's, it's about us understanding and, and recognizing that it is a thing and all of us have it and we all have you know we've all been in a situation where we maybe talk with somebody and then afterwards we walked away and said I shouldn't have said that you know I'm like how, how did that impact that person it's about you know you, you know uh, um, I mean if, if you're a Christian you know the, the, the tongue is a is like a sport isn't it so you need to be mindful of before you open your mouth of what comes out so, you know, you then check already your impact, so uh, intent, so your impact will be positive. Um, so then actually you already, um, you already divert the microaggression and you don't have to respond to it. I, I don't know if that answers the question. That's how I, I got it. Yeah, absolutely. I honestly believe that because my point is, the moment the intention becomes clearer, then we can't even describe it as a microaggression. Yeah, so I, I, I honestly believe so. But just like you've rightly said, I think everything starts on awareness. If you know that you are likely to create a discomfort situation for somebody, then you'll be careful with your utterances, you'll be careful with your actions. Yes, you, you can't always do it all the time. So... A funny story, you know how Ghana traffic situation is on the road. Sometimes you'll be driving and these uh, <laughs> public cars will just cross you. And sometimes you just say things out of the norm before you realize you are even speaking to someone who that you so much respect. So you, you end up getting to that end of the tunnel and they say, ah, why did I even do this? I should have just kept my mute and then and then move on. So microaggressions, I also see that it sometimes connotes to stereotyping because people are very quick to sideline people based on appearances. Like I see someone shabbily dressed and I'll say that, oh, this person is no worth it. In public functions, maybe that person is coming with some jeans, load down their bath with some shirts, and wouldn't be offered the VIP seats, but maybe he's the one paying most of the premiums in the event. So I honestly think that we need to really watch that 
not to create um, any unnecessary discomfort for people. So we are gradually getting to the end of the session, but we still have about 12 to 15 minutes to go. So how can individuals and organizations reduce this unconscious biases? How, how, how do we do it? Um, it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's again about, I think, educating, education um, of um, management um, and not just management, but also um, employees. Um, management probably more on how to deal with it. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's raising that, that awareness that um, unconscious bias can be present and how to avoid it, how to, you know, giving them strategies on, um, on really uh, addressing these and, and not being, being tempted. I mean, um, you know, from my experience, there's, there are still countries that, uh, you know, that are really tempting a manager to be biased, you know, where, where they have, First of all, they, have, they, they are required, and it's actually still taught in school, where they have to have a picture on the CV, where they have to have their date of birth on the CV, their, their marital status. So it's like, come on, how can a manager really, you know, uh, look away from all of that? And I think that's for us as well as, as HR professionals, as organizations, to really challenge and, and bring, you know, um, processes and, and policies in that work towards that so for example you know um to to anonymize the recruitment process okay so to take the name date of birth everything out that really a manager can focus on only the skill set that you have in front of you is that skill set the right uh, for my position and then purely making a decision based on that. So, I mean, that's maybe sounds very, very out there. Um, I know there are companies who are doing it. There are, um, you know, recruitment systems are already uh, set up for that. But, um, you know, that's, that's some of the things that, that uh, I think organizations can do. As an individual, I think if you are um, affected by, uh, you know, microaggressions or you, you become aware um, of, of uh, um, unconscious bias and, and, you know, actions towards you. I think the first step would be um, to, to go to somebody trusted in your company and confide in them. Ideally, your manager, but if it's not your manager, somebody else more senior in the company who can support you. Um, if it is an individual, I think there was a question, how does one respond to microaggression from a colleague by past experience? Obviously, you can't change the past experiences. It's that, you know, everybody has their, their luggage to carry. Their, their experiences, you, you cannot, you know, uh, um, uh, um, avoid them, but you can, as a manager, help them how to find coping mechanisms to overcome and, and deal with them in a, in a different way. And, and also co uh, companies need to play you know, a role into that, in that as well, in, in uh, identifying that and supporting that employee to overcome come these. Uh, you know, there is now well-being programs and, and employee um, mental health programs and so on that can really help to overcome come those. Um, so I think ask for help um, and really recognize your own value. I, I think I said it at the beginning. It's about a, making a conscious decision for yourself if, if it impacts you how does how do i allow this microaggression this unconscious bias to impact me obviously if it's going on over a long time it becomes more and more difficult but you need you need to as well uh you know be confident that you can uh, involve hr in all of that to to support that if it becomes you know too much um one other last point maybe from myself is is um you know, should you actually call that aggressor out? Should you call that person out who has this behavior towards you? And I think it's a, it's a, you need to really assess the situation. Yeah. If it is um, coming from a group, I probably would not recommend you to do that because it could escalate even more. So you need to, you need to really, you know, assess it from situation to a situation 
where you actually go to the person and tell them how you feel, how it does it is affecting you. You know, if it's just, um, if it's, if I mean, I'm saying just, but if it's, for example, name bias, you know, you could say, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I felt a bit, you know, insulted that, that you still can't pronounce my name, you know, make it chokingly maybe rather than, however, if it becomes more and more towards a uh, discrimination, then I think you need to, to involve uh, more, um, you know, senior staff, uh, HR and, and, and so on. Um, one other point I made before, educate yourself and become an ally. You know, be that driver with HR, with the company to, to bring it to the fore, forefront and, and suggest things to, to um, you know, to make it better. And um, the last thing is, um, you know, if, if you, if you, um, we talk about self-awareness. If you know you have a bias, but you don't know how to address it, you know, invest in somebody who holds you accountable, a coach, you know, somebody that actually can bring these things out in a, in a safe environment away from the workplace, but that, you know, somebody who can help you in that transformation journey. That's so awesome and brilliant. I, I have a lot of questions for you, but I can't ask all because of <laughs> But Dr. Bella wants to find out. Now, I'm even careful how I pronounce the names because of name bias. So, Dr. Bella, <laughs> I have pronounced the name correctly. <laughs> so, how do one respond to microaggression from a colleague whose behavior is shaped by past experiences? I know you talked about um, if you have a colleague who feels that maybe... Um, he's gone through such a situation. So from past experiences, being how they were brought up, being their exposure to society, and how, how, do, you, how do you respond to that? I, I think it's, it's um, again, depending on the situation, you would address it with, with them. You would sometimes, because it's unconscious, they might not even be aware that they have that behavior or, or you know, how their past experiences is impacting it. And it's about, you know, maybe just giving some um, constructive feedback, some, some uh, you know, to, to bring it to their attention and say, um, you know, if I may uh, uh, use you, Amma, how you behaved in this or how you address the situation. You know, it came across as a bit that you have a bit of a bias and you was a, really i didn't even know so that's about you know i mean obviously you need to check the sources where you get your feedback from don't take feedback from from everybody um however if a trusted source is giving you that feedback you know and then take it and and use the help they offer as well to to change that and and you know um the past experiences shape your your unconscious bias not by choice it's by you know we said it's by uh, your upbringing, by, uh, you know, how you, you copy your parents. The, you know, the, 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 the friends you have in school, the teachers that teach you. So it's, it's so many different, um, you know, factors that, that come in into your past experiences. And, and it's about finding the, the root cause that really makes you think in a certain way and starting to, to address it and, and be conscious about it that it might take some, some time. But if you take a, a, you know, a conscious effort to say, I'm aware of this, I'm going to now behave in a different way, then, you know, it, it's improvement bit by bit. Yeah, so Dr. Pende, also from my own standpoint and to add to it, I think that if truly your HR department has um, like a policy or you have a vibrant HR person who is psychologically inclined to handle some of these organizational behaviors, I think you should express this concern to them and they will take it in an approach of um, engaging that feedback to really shape the, because they are not living alone in the organization. They are in an ecosystem. There are a lot of individuals, so they should be able to accommodate each other. And Coffee Blanston, actually, I cannot pronounce what you posted there. So, <laughs> indeed, it's a joke I've, I haven't heard yet. So, I'll be happy to hear it from you after the session. And I would say that Cynthia is posting the summary of the things that we have discussed in here. 
So if you want to get some notes to take away, please visit the chat box. I'll try and do a quick advert. I hope the catalyst will, will afford me for this. On the 7th, we are climbing the mountain. And so get ready and prepare for 7th May. We are climbing the mountain to do some hiking, to exercise, to get emotionally and spiritually inclined towards our future. So on this note, I'll also add that from an organizational perspective, I say that decisions should be, be based on data. If you have data, you are, you are able to minimize biases a bit, even though it wouldn't be ruled out completely but you would, you would get it controlled to a certain level, whether you're recruiting to your right standard of competences or criteria you are using for selection, at least all the questions you have tabled to ask your candidates, try and ask them the same questions, unless you want to probe further and you are just asking things out of scope. And then also with performance decisions, try and use data to promote people. Don't base it on you just your experience because I feel this person can deliver. What makes you think the person can deliver? I had a very um, interesting experience where I decided to hire a Muslim because I believe the Muslims are truthful. And this particular Muslim was otherwise. <laughs> so, so don't always use assumptions. Don't use your intuition. Don't use those things to make uh, your judgment. I'll end it with a quote from Pelzu, and it says that intuition matters, but pay more attention to the unconscious bias. Pay more attention to the unconscious bias because it can make you take a decision that will go bad for yourself and for, for your entire organization. So on this note, Barbara, thanks so much. We are really grateful for sparing your time to be with us and uh, I'll say that I have gotten a new friend because it's good to network <laughs> and also appreciate what is happening on the other side of the world. I will humbly hand over to Cynthia, who will take over the rest of the time to say proper bye-bye to the Catalyst team. So I'm Cynthia a... can hear me. <laughs> oh, is it been I'm back? A... Yes, I'm, I'll step in for Cynthia and say I have been quietly listen to you go through oh, advertisements so <laughs> LPMs I, I if, yes I didn't anticipate today would have gone this way for me but it has also you know drawn you know the way for you to show your other skills so on behalf of everybody who listened on behalf of every catalyst I'd like to say a big big thank you to Ama who has really carried the day and also a big thank you to Barbara, who has been very, very, very informative. Um, I think I've better got, I've gotten a better grasp of micro microaggressions today from just listening to you. You know, sometimes you go through some of these things and you don't even know you you're offended by it, but you don't know what name it is. You know, and my example is especially um, allow me to use people who are a bit larger than everybody else in terms of size, what we will call, quote-unquote, fat people, go through a lot of microaggressions at work to the extent that even when you gain a little weight and you meet your your, your colleagues, they cannot... I, I just came back from, uh, what do you call it? Uh, we had a whole long break where we're working from home at my company. So we just came back to work. So it's been two years. And people see you and they cannot help but say, wow, you're looking very fat. You know, that kind of thing. And you know that they don't mean it. They don't, they don't mean it in a bad way, you know. And, and, and <laughs> you go home thinking, geez, that's why I'm, I'm seriously training now. So thank you so, so, so much. Um, God richly bless you for putting your time uh, to this. I'm really hoping that some of these conversations will be able to come back to them with our superstar panelists, right? Ekwa Donay says, great insights. Thanks to you both. So I'd like to end it quickly before my internet ends me here. For everybody who is listening, I hope you have had an absolutely great time. I hope you've learned something new. And in fact, someone said something, Ama said something that I think is very, very perfect. 
don't just listen to what you've heard. When you go home, kindly do well to read. Read more about microaggressions. Read more about biases at work so that you can work at yourself and you can also be a better uh, proponent of change wherever you find yourself. So from myself, from Ama, from Barbara, and from the wonderful Catalyst team that has backed us, uh, Cynthia, Cynthia, Ikea, all the guys who asked questions, would like to say a big, big, big bye-bye to you and have a wonderful, wonderful week. So Barbara and Ama, it's part of our culture. You unmute, and on three, we say a big bye-bye to everybody who's listening. So three, two, one, guys. Bye. 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 Good night. Catch you same time next week. All right. Thank you. Bye bye, Barbara.